Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. If you're selling people something on a big promise and you don't deliver on it and it's not worth it, then that was an icky tactic that you shouldn't have done. If you use the same marketing conversion tactic to totally deliver on your promise, and move people's world forward, then brilliant. It's never the actual tactic that's the thing, it's your intent. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anna Geary and I'm here today, of course, with Anita Baldwin. Good morning, sidekick. how are you? Yeah, yes, the sidekick, the, pa- <laughs> the, the dream team. What do you call it? What other duos are there? Batman and Robin? Ant and Deck, yeah. The two Ronnies. We got we got called the blonde two Ronnies once because we both wear glasses. Anyway, hello. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So today <laughs> we are talking to the lovely Matt Thomas, who is a branding and content expert um, who's had a really colourful career, actually. So it's interesting to hear how people have gone from where they were to where they are now. And he used to be a journalist and he used to get to um, interview all the top entrepreneurs out there. So he talks about how he interviewed Alan Sugar and a few of the others. But um, actually, that interviewing of entrepreneurs, which is actually what they say, isn't it? You are, you know, you're, you are the net worth of your network or whatever, is all this entrepreneurial talk, as he was a journalist, rubbed off on him. They'll talk about learning from the best. You know, he's interviewed Deborah Meaden and all people who are just inspirational in what they do. So that led him on uh, down, you know, lots of different things, which you'll find out in the podcast. And he's worked with some really interesting people as well. And, and done that thing where he's created something fantastic, but just didn't feel it anymore. And, you know, Park, you know, walked away from it, took the shares, whatever, started up again. So, you know, not many people can do that. They just think, oh, they're happy for where they are. They should be grateful and they stay where they are. Whereas he, as soon as he's not feeling it, you know, will exit it um graciously and start something else up so he's starting a new venture but he definitely definitely knows his stuff so let's get into this if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe my name is matt thomas i'm a business and content coach and i specialize in helping people be the true versions of themselves and then build businesses doing the work that they love which sounds a little bit generic and probably is the thing that I encourage other people not to be. Um, But my background um, started off as a business journalist. So um, for eight to 10 years, I were doing two things that really fascinated me and probably shaped the work that I went on to do. Firstly, it was that I interviewed entrepreneurs. So all the big name entrepreneurs, I used to have the luxury of sitting down in front of them and um, exploring how they built what they built um, and then trying to to find out what the magic dust was or the magic sauce. And 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 I guess that rubbed off on me in the end. Um, and the other side of that was that I was very fortunate to be involved in the online world at the very, very start. So I was um, inside publishing, running websites when no one cared about the websites and only about the magazines. When it was still dial up. <laughs> yeah, almost right. And then just kind of really got to be able to build those very early communities. So I mean, you know, I, I love a community and, um, and so I managed to do that when it was not on social necessarily. It was on like kind of message boards and forums and um, yeah. really understanding how to connect with an audience and how to enable other audiences to connect with it one another. So I did a whole bunch of stuff like that in the publishing space. Then um, then I started a business called Smarter with Shah Wasman, MBE, and we... Um, Essentially, we built that into the largest um, platform for small businesses in the UK. We raised finance from the likes of Theo Pafitis, Deborah Meaden, Sir Richard Needham. Um, had some amazing fun running that. 
never quite made it what we wanted to be. Like we, we, we went and landed big contracts with most of the UK banks, started building banking platforms. Um, that started to bore me a little bit, even though I enjoyed the chase of the deal more than I enjoyed it. Was that the, an IT uh, company? What were you doing? The core business is that we provided support and content to small businesses and startups at a time when no one else was really doing it other than Business yeah. Link. I also used to create the content for Business Link, so then I, I kind of started <laughs> out there cannibalizing the, the own, my own work so that I could do it in a way that we felt was more human and, and, and real. Uh, and we could say the things that... Um, that governments couldn't say uh so we you know we took the real real world approach to that but it was never a um we never monetized at the customer level so we sold it was a the business model was sponsorship and advertising and partnerships but then we started to build yes we almost became an it company we started to build a banking platforms for for banks to interact with their customers because they saw mm. us as a whole face that again that they were not able to be because of a lot of stuff that was going on in the time with banks um but yeah, we became an IT company and um, mm. I'm not an IT company. No, it takes a special kind of person, doesn't it? Yeah, so I enjoy, I actually really enjoyed the selling to the banks. And I don't mean that in a purely commercial point of view, but understanding how we could deliver a better service for their customers and they were able to deliver for themselves. They were massively far behind the curve. I was I was in banking and marketing for many years and they were really far behind the curve. As much as there's some justified kind of bank bashing, there's still really good people that massively yeah. care about enterprise within those organisations. And so had some real fun trying to... Um, tease that that great intent out and deliver it to customers but ultimately that that meant smarter becoming as you say a technology mm -hmm. company and so i traded my shares at some point around 2016 i think and i took some contracts out that were the other side of the business i ran um speaker events and um webinars for santander and a bunch of other clients and so i did a bunch of enterprise type startup small business stuff for about two years under a content marketing agency called outrageously called the curators of awesome don't know what. <laughs> i love it and then we started to see we started to discover Shar and i again started to discover this um, the coaching world which sounds crazy when you're in it you sort of know that it happens and i always think we live in this little bubble where we don't know. I, you know, I certainly didn't really know the coaching world before. Um, it's one of the things that I teach to people, actually, is to just realise that you're not just talking to this little bubble who who know the coaching or the training or the mentoring world. Or um, We've um, built a company called the Freedom Collective Limited, a Facebook group called the Freedom Collective. It's got 14,000 members. Uh, built it all in Shah's brand, in her name, kind of riding the... Um, the success that she'd had with her books um, and so we built a big community and training company uh, ran um, large-scale events tra coaching training programs um, and then about 18 months ago um, as much as I love Shara and we still I still consult and work with what she's doing and working on a launch with her at the moment um, I need to go and do my own stuff so um, for the last 18 months or so I've been coaching mentoring training um, creating content under my own name Matt Thomas and then under a brand that I'm launching at the moment called C School. At the moment, it's just a Facebook group. Um, and C School is a place for business owners to um, connect, collaborate, and create content that clients crave. Uh, it will be an online training platform, so an on-demand training platform. So instead of having to wait for the next big launch that somebody's doing, you just want to know how to do something, you can click and get some beautifully presented and super practical content. So do you help 
businesses find their passion or do you work with like established small businesses who are just floundering a bit and don't know how to get it out there? A little bit of both. I find that there's two kind of points where people tend to need the most support. It's either in the formulation of that concept. So really understanding why you're here, why the world needs you, what the work that you probably want to do is. And I think that's really important. I think we can often get distracted where we see the first opportunity. Mm. Um, And then I see people one or two years down the line who maybe not running the businesses that they intended to run. Yeah, that's the second point of businesses that I really tend to help. The people that have been in business for maybe one to five years and they've almost ended up with an, an accidental, not intentional business model. And as a result, a similar identity. And as a result of that, a similar audience. And so at some point along the line, if it's feeling hard, it's not quite working, I might step in and say, okay, let's take that little step back. Let's almost audit what this business is, who you are, what you've learned, because we all sort of change as we go as we go through our lives and business, right? And just th- think about stripping it back to what's the work that you want to do? Um, how do you get true alignment between who you are who who the audiences that you enjoy serving and the work that you want to do together or as I prefer to call it your art so you know truly think that we're most successful when we're doing the work that we're meant to be doing yeah I completely agree with that and there's um it almost feels like not work doesn't it so you when you're kind of deciding what you need to do if it's just something you enjoy doing you think oh no no one else will be interested in that and it's about having the confidence in the fact that if you enjoy it other people will enjoy it and be interested as well but you think well here's the thing I've trained for 25 years to do so I've got to carry on on this track and this is what I've got to do and it actually will knock you out of kilter won't it and stop you being the success that you want to be i so believe that unless you've got that true alignment i always think of it as a triangle unless you've got that true alignment between you your audience and your work then it just never feels right and i think there's so many people out there who feel that but are scared to say it or admit it to themselves or certainly admit it to the outside world i feel like it's a little bit um like walking with one shoe on right you uh (laughs) You never quite feel that it's right. You know, you're always a little bit imbalanced, but you've still got to try and get to your destination. So you just sort of carry on. You know, when people think that you're doing well, or actually you may be doing well because you're earning the money and other people around you might be like, well, what what are you not happy about? Because actually you've got a life that a lot of other people would love because you, you seem to be earning this much money and you're doing these things. What? And you almost feel like you can't rock the boat and say, actually, I'm not it's ungrateful to go I'm not quite aligned because people think you're doing so well um financially maybe or in one side of it but you're not feeling quite right so you you help them get through that hurdle then really well not hurdle but kind of maybe just ask the right questions to make them and it is nice and anybody that hasn't got a coach or hasn't had a coach needs to get one in their life in in some way because having somebody that's just away from you and can just come in and go Right. Okay. So, why do you do this like this? And how? Just asking those right questions that you wouldn't probably ask yourself because you're just too busy in in doing the doing is invaluable. So, we always recommend people go and find somebody to to help them in some way, shape, or form. Especially that's funny because when you when you start a business, you're really enthusiastic, aren't you? And everything's new and shiny, and you you, you're going for it. And that one to five year period, like you say, it's become something. And is that what you? set out for it to become or is it just evolved to that so I'd like to hear actually you said you uh, interview all these different um high level entrepreneurs like almost like um celeb entrepreneurs so who 
you're probably not going to tell us ones that you didn't like dish the dirt is what she's actually wanting to say (laughs) just mouth their name at us and then carry on which one surprised you like that you thought you perhaps weren't going to get on with with actually they were awesome that's probably a nicer way of doing it isn't it sure loads i mean um i guess one way to look at it is that you know in an interview and and this is why i'm looking forward to my podcast the one thing that i miss from journalism is interviewing people right Mm. um and so in an interview you're always trying to get to the real person you guys know this from from doing this, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to get to the real person and get to the insights that what they truly believe and who they are. Yeah, you know, that's no different to building a brand either. Although like we, we we should be the best version of ourselves for our audience. Um, and so, uh, what what I always found fascinating was those that you know I couldn't crack and I couldn't get beyond the media training. And so, those big celebrity entrepreneurs, they've kind of um, yeah they've they've done the same interviews over and over and over again. They're mega media trained. They're super cautious. And so it's hard to get any real story. Um, and so then, you know, what I was always trying to do then was just get the obvious stuff out of the way. So we, and, then, and then trying to get onto more, but you're always running the risk of not getting any more. So to answer your question, I think probably the most frustrating one that I never felt that I got much out of was Alan Sugar. I did get some stuff out of him, but it, it didn't end well. So I, I roiled him a little bit. So at All the right. point, he was enterprise czar for the government. So I interviewed him and he had this big belief that nobody should ever start a business unless they've worked in that space before. And so I challenged him on that saying, well, while I understand the logic of it, I actually feel that that shouldn't be your, you shouldn't be saying that whilst being an enterpriser. You can say it as being an entrepreneur, like whatever, right? Who am I to question whatever your opinion is? But as at the time, enterpriser, I kind of challenged him on that and gave him examples of like innocent drinks, Mm-hmm. You know, the guys had never made smoothies before. They just set out to be in business. They were smart guys. They tried three or four different ideas um, and they settled on smoothies. And so I kind of riled him and he lost his temper. So that probably wasn't the best one. In terms of surprise in a good way, um, not quite an interview, although I had interviewed her before, was um, Deborah Meaden. Uh, I really like her. I'd like her, her to come on our podcast, but I bet she would never. So, but... I've got, I got so much time for Deborah. I think Me too. She, uh, uh, and and it, I sometimes uh, um, on Dragon's Den go onto Twitter to see if she's getting any stick and just wade into Defender because um, <laughs> you kind of get you know this like misogynist crap basically I can't really put it down to anything else um, and uh, it just couldn't be further from the truth she's the most ethical entrepreneur that I've ever worked with um, and one of those I've ever spoken to she um, she has a role in her businesses that. Um, no employee can ever speak bad of a customer, which sounds very sensible. But actually, in practice, I'm sure we've all worked in places, and I'm sure we've all done this, if we're honest, where we've had yes. a customer, we've put the phone down, and we've gone, oh, bloody idiot, or whatever, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're all human, right? But yeah. she would take that to the extreme. And actually, when you work that through, and you kind of unpack that, there's some real, you know, core values at the heart of it. It creates uh, a culture, doesn't it? It I does, imagine. yeah. yeah. It does, and actually, you know, love Theo, but um, that was juxtaposed to that environment, really, uh, uh, of, you know, right, how can we be the smartest, savviest entrepreneurs, that kind of thing, right? Theo runs a very tight, savvy business and um, learns stacks from him and, and Kip Ross, who, who runs the organisations with him. But, yeah, Deborah, I I don't want to say surprise because that would suggest that I didn't think that of her anyway, but I learned so much and um, she was amazing. Um, the late... Damon Eater Roddick, again, 
influenced me from speaking to her around ethics. I enjoyed interviewing um, Stelios easy. Um, I wouldn't say he was someone that I would aspire to be like or anything. I'm sure money's money, obviously, but um, but he was just interesting anyway. How he had all of these large companies, and the the team were like two or three people on each one. There was there were never more than two or three people inside any company. You can see why. Um, I don't I don't watch Dragon Den, but I have seen it. Um, and sometimes it's not even about the investment, is it? But having that mentor on your side with their experience and actually a stake in your business, you almost can't fail. So you'd kind of, it surprises me when they go, yeah, I want 6 million for 5% of the business. And you think, no, you know, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating equation, right? I've been and watched them film it as well. And, you know, obviously it's edited for TV and it is TV. Um, but yeah, I, I think like most of them would say that they invest in the people, not the yeah. uh, opportunity most of the time. And certainly from my experience of working with other investors, that's the case as well. I never watch it, but I did have to watch it because my friend um, who runs Mobro, so you might know actually, yeah. they might be, are they like in a similar space to you with your beard poo? Thing? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like I, I, I know. I actually knew Colonel years before he came into my, to get a job from me actually when I was in recruitment. And I, I was like, you don't want a job you're an entrepreneur through and through doing all these side hustles and stuff but it was like you know I've got to be seen to be like getting you know getting a proper career as well but at the time he was doing so many different things and I sent him to a couple of interviews and like um he did get a temp job through me but he never obviously people didn't want to employ him on the permanent basis because we're never going to stay um but it's fantastic that he's working with his brothers now and doing so well but so I did that's the only but I have caught little bits of Dragon's Den but overall I don't really I don't really watch it. Sometimes um, it's a little bit panto, that's why. Like you say, for the editing, to make it seem a cer- certain way. Um, you know, there are the great ones, like obviously with Connell, he's like, he loves the fact that he did so well on that 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 show and that's elevated, like you say, Anita, that's elevated, you know, their business and where they've got to. It's fantastic. But, you know, those ones that they only have on there really as for the entertainment value, I think that's just a bit cringe and not very nice for them, really. So you talked at the start of when we were started talking about community and you were um, like building communities before it was the thing to do, um, which is interesting because community is where it's at at the moment now, isn't it? Because you can, you know, with Google, with YouTube, you can pretty much learn anything you want if you've got the time and energy to put into it. But what you can't do is get community, which is about um, support and accountability and all of those things. So that is what people are buying into now. Would you agree? To a degree. I believe that the future of business in the future and marketing is about connection Mm. Uh, and I think an important element of connection is community equally and and this is why I say to a degree I think there's a lot of people that rushed into starting communities because again it was the talked about thing to do Um, so a lot of people who were kind of almost coerced or influenced into starting Facebook groups you maybe didn't need to start a Facebook group so I think that there are I'm a big believer in community. Connection is the thing that I would say is what we're all striving for. Uh, and I believe that how, how we view and build communities well, it has shifted a little bit recently and continues to shift. So I think there was this um, distraction that maybe community online meant having to start a Facebook group. And it doesn't, I mean, no. I, I see people building incredible communities on Instagram. And definitely seeing people build communities on Clubhouse. Even just on LinkedIn, the people you comment on and who comment on yours regularly you'll show up on their feed they'll show up in your feed and you'll become like a little community you're not in a formal group or anything but you'll recognize those names that come up again and again and start forming relationships with them absolutely and um 
and again, you know, podcasts. I've got a friend who runs, um, I've got a friend Emma who runs Big Fat Negative podcast, which is a um, podcast around infertility. Uh, and they have built an incredible community on Instagram off the back of the podcast. Mm. Uh, a space where women are able to share stuff that they don't previously feel comfortable enough to, to share. It resonates with me because my wife and I have been on this journey as well. Uh, and so um, I kind of get it, but you know, having, not that I would pretend to be able to step into my wife's shoes or thoughts, but having seen some of the concerns and fears and worries about what the outside world would look in on her experiences and her inability to voice those or, or feelings of being unable to voice that on social. Uh, and so it becoming quite a kind of closed process. I, I doubted whether that could be built in a, uh, if, I'm, if I'm really honest, into a, an online community, especially an open one. So not I'm going to say, so is it like an Instagram like page that like, uh, yeah, you know, like totally Instagram page and yeah. the stuff that they have, they've like share days and the stuff mm. that they share is just out of this world. So at somewhere in that journey, what happened at somewhere in through the podcast or the social, Emma and her friend Abby were able to build a connection that created confidence for a community to believe that they could share and that in sharing, they were not only kind of getting something from the share, but they were contributing as well. So I think mm -hmm. that the quarter communities is our human instinct to want yeah. to contribute. I mean, yeah. you know, take us from clapping outside for the NHS, like it was the least that we could do. And sometimes yeah. actually, I think when we're, if we take this back to a commercial world, when we're looking to push a product or a message at somebody and we're asking them ultimately to spend money with us, let's not pretend we're not, then we're trying to build some kind of connection and most people, oh, and this is, you know, nobody's got 100% conversion. Most people, most audiences are not ready to convert. And yet we focus on all of the ones that are. So we're just trying to filter out the ones that are. Whereas actually through our content and our community building and our connection, I believe that we should be looking at what are the reasons that the rest of those people are unable to make that commitment at the moment. And so it's less about pushing our product and ourselves at people. Because if they're following us, they probably already like us and believe in us anyway. It's actually about their own lack of confidence that yeah. they're going to get a return on that work. And so what I see Emma doing is actually breeding confidence into people, belief that they can yeah. share this stuff. And for me, that's an incredible overlap into you know, anything we want to talk about in terms of a commercialization of a product or a business or ourselves. What we should be doing, like no matter what we sell, is giving people clarity and then the confidence. Yeah. That's what so from a, a commercial point of view, how do you do that? All success starts with failure. So I think that mm. everything starts with meeting Tick. people. Where they are Done right that now. bit. Tick. Yeah, cool, <laughs> right? But we should meet people where they are now. And I don't think we do enough work on that. So I think that it's about really, really, really understanding, scratching beneath the surface until it bleeds, till you really understand how someone feels. I want you to talk to and talk about the things in their head that they're not saying. So what they're thinking or not what they're not, you know, and what they're not saying sometimes. So if we want like, oh my God, that's me content, then we have to go really make the effort to go and understand not just the thoughts that are in their head, but the scenarios where they occur. And they occur at different times in different ways. Which is why, you know, we're right back to the beginning about finding and following your passion. Because if what you're doing is your passion, you'll care enough to go that extra mile and want to understand all of that. Whereas if you're not and you're just doing a kind of job, you won't. It won't. It will be 100%. meaningless. So you'll never get there. 100%. And so 
you know, I think it really does start with almost an obsession. Like I reference Andy, Andy Warhol a lot, that you just need to become obsessionable about the things that nobody else is. Uh, and for me, that's your audience and your art. Uh, and that's how you stand out to enough people for whatever your thing is. You don't need to be the biggest in the world. Like I talk about the myth of more a lot. Most of us don't need tens of thousands of followers. We yeah. just need to be the most important person in the world of the people that we want to work with. And so I often encourage people to think about who are the 100 people that need what you're doing most and how can you obsess about understanding them? And then sure, if you need more than 100 customers, you will absolutely reach them by halo of having spoken in the correct way to that audience. Plus, lots of people that we work with aren't trying to get seven, eight-figure businesses. So that's absolutely fine for them. They just want, you know, comfortable life to do what they enjoy doing and it to give them the money and freedom to go and do the other things that they want to do, spend time with their family, you know, go out their own house when we're allowed to do that, all that kind of thing as well. Because, you know, money gives you choices and freedom, doesn't it? And that's why we want it, really. Money is important. It's an important driver for most people in the kind of, if we're talking sort of coaching and uh, mentoring kind of space. I think there's a threshold for everybody. There's an amount of money that unlocks better decision making and, and you know, whether we want to call it financial freedom or whatever. It's just that, you know, you can start doing the work, overused word at the moment, but you can start to work intentionally rather than just having to chase the next paycheck. Uh, and I think that, that's a total mindset shift when you do that. And then you start creating stuff that you truly believe is going to deliver results for your audience that you're massively pumped to do. Not just like, oh my God, how do I make sure that I get to five grand this month? That's yeah. a different mindset. And it influences you from a total creation point of view as well. Yeah, because then you find yourself doing something that you don't want to do, want to like, because oh, that will lead to that. And then you get the numbers game and then you change, start, like, have, like, then it ends up being a job, doesn't it? Like before this I used to do recruitment and like telesales type of stuff and that is what it's all about just chasing that next thing and not really not overly caring about what happened you're just basically just doing a job and repeating 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 but yeah if you can just work on your art I'm all for that my performing arts background it's all about the art that's the most important thing C school then what's the big vision for you for for C school big vision for me for C school is to provide a community where people can unpack what it is that they want to do and have the time and the space to be able to really understand how to shape the business that they want and the life that they want um, without having to just get swayed and influenced by big mean coaches trying to sell mm -hmm. them big solution um, and all of that sort of bull that I think is flying around that we all get targeted with every single day. Uh, and then to have a an on-demand platform where if you need to know how to do something, you can just unlock it and do it. And so it's it's less, fewer um, silver bullet solutions, big grand launches, and more actually, how can we just get you doing the work you're meant to do, building and attracting an audience that wants to work with you, as opposed to you chasing them, because when we chase people, they run away, and then slowly do it and get results for people and doing the work that you want to do, building that out how you want to build it out, and encouraging people to have a business model that is um, a perfect blend for them. So we talked about mindset. Um, you've, I think, walked away and started again from two successful businesses, which must take you know a massive mindset shift. Um, you know, What do you put that down to, to have the energy to do it twice? Because when you're not enjoying something and you don't feel like you're 
I'm a kind of person that needs to feel like I'm in, I'm always moving in the right direction. So I don't mind if things. I'm a patient man. I don't mind if things take time, but I need to feel like I'm moving in the right direction. And the minute I'm not in the right direction, then I get very frustrated. I need to feel like I'm in the right direction. I'm doing the work that feeds me. And when it's not, then I need to change it because I believe that you can only ever do two things with a problem. You can do something or you can do nothing. Um, and so I'd rather do something and start working on the work that I believe in. I once heard a very great uh, saying from a wise woman I worked with years ago who said the only cause of stress is looking for the third option. You either change it or you accept it. There is no third option ever. And that's what causes people to be stressed all the time, trying to find this third option. Since I turned 40, I've had like seven tattoos. I'm quite tattooed now. I always thought I need to have something deep and meaningful that is, you know, that I'm going to really put my hat on and stick to, right? But I was thinking about getting a um, uh, no plan B tattoo, basically. That's what I was thinking about. Going back to, to what we were talking about, though, I, I have a, a, um, a print on my, on my wall that I see in the hall every morning when I come downstairs. And it's the two questions that I ask to all of my clients when I start coaching them. Um, it's a uh, Anthony Burrell print. You should check out Anthony Burrell if you guys don't know him. I love him. Um, and um, it just says, who are you and what do you want? And that's there is a kind of a North Star question to me every day. Like, who am I? What do I want? So I'm also a bit of a magpie. I have a short attention span, right? So I, I will go after <laughs> chase, I'll chase shiny objects. And so, you know, I need to be brought back to an identity uh, and a vision of like, okay, who am I? What do I want? What am I trying to build here? And is this shiny object what I should be chasing or is it not? Based on that then, what are your, what are your thoughts on Clubhouse? I know you said a minute ago about like there's communities that are being built there. Are you, do oh, I know that you're on Clubhouse. Are you doing a lot on there? Have you got like a, a plan, a strategy plan for that or... I think I've been dipping my toe in the water a little bit, but um, but that's probably a reflection of just other projects that I've had on the go, which, again, I didn't want to sidetrack or distract. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of the potential of Clubhouse is probably the best way to put it. So um, all platforms will evolve. I think it's an incredible place to be now, and I think it's an incredible place to have conversation. Um, but I think that everybody should sculpt it and deliver it in the way that it's going to deliver the most value for them. Yeah. So you don't need to just go in and do what everyone else is doing. You don't need to go in and just have the same, I don't know, how to be a seven Yawn. Lane, yeah. right? But equally, you can go on and create a room called whatever you want it to be and you can run it whichever way you want it to be. And you know, what I would say is just have some kind, some kind of, no matter how much, how scratch, scribbled out one page uh, um, strategy for it. So you're obviously going to go onto Clubhouse and meet some people and have some kind of conversation and people are going to check you out but what are you going to do to convert from there into your business how is it contributing to your core business how does it contribute as an activity and a drain on your time to for what you're ultimately trying to achieve and so you know whether that is as simple as like a, a quick download that you have on your instagram page or it's um, a, a little kind of um mini course mini product um whatever it is have some kind of simple scratch strategy to to get people from Clubhouse. So, you know, podcast example, I'm seeing people launching every time they do a podcast episode. So they release the podcast on the Monday, then I'll do a Clubhouse room on the Friday. So it's like a, a live interactive version of a podcast. Uh, from there, there's um, some kind of download relative to the guest speaker that they had. Everybody gets the email address. Then there's a 
automated funnel in place to bring them into an environment where they can close them onto a sale. Right, so yeah. just some kind of quick strategy for that. Do we have like our download on that? Well, we have basically inviting them to just messages Clubhouse and or CH and we will send them our, you know, 37 hacks. We did think about doing like the podcast, but then it's the whole thing about recording it. And then we were thinking, and then it's like, it, it's a, there's a lot of time involved um, in sort of doing the the clubhouse things. We do we do a room once a week, um, just for an hour. Um, they're like on attracting clients using social media. That's like Friday at one every single week. But um, we like the idea of doing something around the podcast, but we never really thought about a good. And I think you're right. There needs to be an incentive to sort of say to the guests because if they've already taken an hour with us to you know 45 minutes to an hour to to do the podcast, to then go and ask them to join us again to chat about the podcast episode that they did there needs to be a reason for them to want to do that and a reason for people to come along and want to listen in as well i guess that's all about framing right if it's uh, if it's uh, a mutual win then it's all yeah, good right exactly and like what you said there about how they've got something to give away so obviously they get the email um all, all the email addresses as well and things so yeah there's a lot lot to think about but we did you're right have a strategy have something that you're going to commit to and do i've used every marketing tactic in in the world that are used in good and bad ways right and, and i'm just always looking to you know how can we apply that marketing savvy do it in a good way so it's worth it like you know anything can be icky if the end result is icky so like mm. You know, if you're selling people or something on a big promise and you don't deliver on it and it's not worth it, then that was an icky tactic that you shouldn't have done. If you use the same marketing conversion tactic to totally deliver on your promise and move people's world forward, then brilliant, right? Yeah. It's never the actual tactic that's the thing. It's your intent. And your, like, integrity. You know, yeah. like you say, you're going to be following through on that promise. Yeah, and you, you, know, you might like make a stack of one-off transactions, but you're never going to build a connection and a relationship and repeat buyers and raving fans and community and ambassadors. And I think that's what um, a lot of people fall down on on social media, even Anna and I to a certain extent, is that because you know your stuff so well and you talk about your stuff so well and you know you've got integrity and you follow through on that, you assume everyone you meet sees that in you and you kind of stop telling people what it is you do. You, you start on, you know, point six rather than going right back to the beginning and taking people through that journey again and again and again. We should just show people, not tell them. I don't think we show people enough of of what we're doing right like we should be both screenshotting this now and and showing people show do you know i'm gonna you are completely right i'm gonna take a picture of that tell our clients all these things and so many times we absolutely drop the let me just do this on here right wait look that's better now it's got the get savvy club branding on it which again right. i didn't even yeah. cool yeah. See, I had my mouth closed that time. So we always ask everybody that comes on the podcast what makes you savvy and you can answer that any which way you want uh, what I would say that makes me savvy is my obsession with my audience. So understanding what makes my audience tick, what they really want, where they are now, and um, what the bridge is that I can provide to help them overcome the obstacles and the barriers from where they are now to where they want to get to next. Another question that we ask is uh, if you could recommend a book uh, to our listeners, because we, we always get, if they screenshot this podcast and put it on social media, um, then we choose one person and give away the book. So to please choose one that's still in print. But if you can choose um, either a marketing, a, a personal development book or business book, that'd be great. That you'd yes, I'm going to pick one that I've read really recently. 
Um, so I'm going to pick The Practice by Seth Godin. I think it's one of his best. Like, I'm, I'm a Seth geek, mm. right? But I think it's genuinely he one is a of god. Tell your Seth story, Anita. I'm sure I've told this a million times before. It's not even that good. She cheese me up and then I tell a lame half hour story and sound like a twat. <laughs> Just that when I did my marketing, uh, strategic postgraduate diploma in marketing in the 90s, that's how old I am. And, uh, you know, you have various theories. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And there was a load of Seth Godin in there. And because there were all these theories from ages ago, I just assumed he was dead, like all the others and all of their theories until about, you know, 10 years ago, because he, he didn't do a lot current, did he? And then um, it started coming out with more and more. And then I seen him and I was like, oh, he's alive. <laughs> but then I didn't know Anita Roddick was dead either. So I'm clearly not, you know, doing well in terms of current affairs. Uh, that is a great book by Seth Godin. I love that. But I, I love all his stuff. But like, there's just my, so motivated and so like on point all the time. You wonder how they do this, these people, yeah. because like he does an email a day, doesn't he? And they're all, I mean, they're very short, but they're all very deep. And you just think, bloody hell, how does he manage that? Yeah, the the practice. What I like about the practice is, firstly, what we were just saying around doing what you teach. He, he's he's written a blog post, I think, for like twenty two thousand consecutive days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, if he's writing a book on habit creation then he's in a pretty good position to be able to do it. Uh, he's the king. Yeah, totally. And then what I also really liked from the book was that um, he was talking about booking the trends of what we're told we need to do on social. Uh, and so, again, somebody who walks that talk, he, he I don't think he spends more than 20 minutes a day on social. Uh, and he argues that if you do spend more than 20 minutes on a day, it's not for your audience, it's for you. Uh, you're running through all those validation stories and and you know all that stuff you're telling yourself whereas actually you'd be better off getting back to your art although I would say he's got his audience he's at that higher level if you're growing it you're in a different space aren't you definitely you know, do I spend longer than 20 minutes on social every day yeah of course I do yeah. equally in the last three months I have um, disabled all of my notifications on social so if we're talking about um, working savvy then uh, for someone who's life has been about building audiences and nurturing and now i now control when i go in they don't control when i go in we teach this to our okay. clients we say look because basically with us once you've been once you've got it set up we say you shouldn't be doing more than an hour a day so it's not quite Seth's 20 minutes but it is you know and because otherwise people say oh it takes up too much time only if you're choosing to take up too much time because you're you're, you're scrolling consuming, not producing yeah, you're just, yeah exactly so we, we challenge that and we definitely have that i reckon the results come from you you know doing the work and crafting your products you know and your, and your messaging they don't come from the, the actual being on social and it's also the bit you can outsource at some point anyway so anyway that's a that's a whole other podcast we'll get you back on that one just to clarify totally i'm i'm a big believer in that we need to show up as ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. we're incomplete yeah, so we can finish when not on a massive rock which is always nice <laughs> brilliant okay thank you so much for being on so if our listeners would like to find more uh, more about you out matt well i think that sentence made sense where do they need to go i'm at content matt on most platforms and if you'd like to come and say hello in the c school community it's um www.c hyphen not yeah yeah okay yeah so see the letter hyphen 
skool.group. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Awesome. That was really good. What an interesting guy. And I just think we've interviewed quite a lot of people now in our podcast and I'm absolutely loving it. And I just think there's a real recurring theme, isn't there, about people who are our kind of age middle age but it's not that they go well I had a dream of being this since I was 10 years old and I did it and I've done all this training and it's taken me 35 years to get successful loads of them are going well I was doing something I wasn't all that happy uh, or I got made redundant or it didn't suit having children or my lifestyle so I walked away from it and I started again and it's just great that that's so possible and that's what you can do it just takes you know the right mindset doesn't it and the right opportunities and to get yourself out there and often like we've had yeah. before when redundancy opportunity comes up and people think if I don't do it now I will never do it voluntary redundancy we've had that and just you know those opportunities looking for the ways of where you can move into what you what you want to do and the space you want to be in I guess yeah and social media gets a lot of knocking quite rightly because it can be you know in terms of bullying and uh, manipulation and all of that it can be terrible but it's also such a fantastic free resource to get yourself out there if you are starting again build a new network um, learn loads of stuff from other people see who's doing what and like go well that's working for them I'll do it but it's just really great so you know I know we work with social media so we are you know supposed to be saying that but it's got a lot going for it, hasn't it? So anyway, really interesting, great stuff. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. Don't forget that you can um, rate and review this podcast, subscribe to it, take a screenshot and um, put it on social media, tag in Anna and or I, and uh, you will stand a chance of winning The Practice by Seth Godin. Um, I'm going to read it first again, and then we'll send it over to you. And um, don't forget to listen out for whatever the quickie will be on Thursday. Bound to be awesome. Yeah, Hobbs. See you soon. Bye. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.